Hello, I'm Brianna. I'm Sarah, and we are the, the Squad Ghouls. <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple of creepy gals that love creepy things. Hey, Bri. Hey, Sarah. What's it like to be kissed by a vampire? Oh, I don't know. It's a pain in the neck. <laughs> don't i know it (laughs) oh my gosh hey sarah hey brie what do you call wood when it's scared there's so many places i can go with that one too i know i don't know brie petrified (laughs) so corny but i love it oh my goodness gracious you're all welcome oh i think we might have a problem nope it's not a problem at all well we're supposed to have a little bit of comedy right a little bit yeah (laughs) oh poor peanut dog jared's taking off her tags oh no jingles oh she got tags that don't jingle 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 no more he's taking them off Oh, poor Dougie. <laughs> we'll get into our booze news. Booze news. Booze news. <laughs> do, 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 do. Um, Brie, there's a new Evil Dead movie coming out. What? Yeah, it's called Evil Dead Now. Oh. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> yeah, that's like basically what's happening right now. <laughs> it really is. It's super accurate. <laughs> oh, it really is. Uh, and obviously Sam Raimi is uh, involved and he oh, has good. picked Lee Cronin to direct it. Oh. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I love a good Evil Dead movie, particularly the older ones, uh, one and two and then Army of Darkness, because they were just so campy. Yes. So campy. And the you know the new one was okay but it wasn't it was more you know horror scary kind of evil dead versus the like super fun camp oh yeah and then also uh exciting news and hope for halloween uh there have been drone sightings well not drone sightings. Drones have flown over uh, Universal Studios Hollywood, and Ooh. there appears to be some sort of construction going so, on. So I should drive. I should fly my um, drone over there and see, just poten- so I can see what mazes are coming. Potentially maze <laughs> construction. I mean, at least they're just trying to prepare. Mm-hmm. But at least it, you know it's kind of. It's kind of a good thing that they're still trying to do it because, you know, with with everything going on, I feel like they could do it and it would be scary because it wouldn't be them trying to pile a bunch of people, you know, coughing COVID all over each other into a maze. She mean they should be social distancing like they should have done from the beginning. Right. <gasps> what a concept. I know. Oh my goodness. You're welcome, Universal. Right? We're giving you the ideas. And and please, 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 please do something more imaginative than go in, go through the black curtain into the dark room and then something opens a window and jumps out of you and goes away. I mean, but sometimes it works. I mean, it works, but like, you're the biggest movie studio in the world. You can do better than that. Like, a cop what out. was it? The, um... Oh gosh, I'm trying to think of the maze where it really got me. One time. Oh, when they did The Shining. <laughs> oh, that one was so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the guy dressed up as Jack Nicholson kept popping out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The Shining. Well, and The Shining Maze was just beautiful. Oh, yeah. It was really well done. It was done. gorgeous. I, I loved it. it was that awesome. was one of my favorites. Also, when they did um, American Horror Story. Which one? Oh, no. Not when they... Did they do Roanoke? 
Uh, they. I feel like they did Roanoke yeah, one oh, year. Yeah, I'm talking about the couple years before that. The when first they time did, they When did they it. did Murder House. Um, oh, uh, I feel like they did Freak Show. Yeah, Freak Show and then Hotel. Yeah. Oh my God, the hotel <laughs> section... Ooh. stank to high heaven can we just I, I will start a petition on change.org to stop universal from using that disgusting halitosis breath smell like i understand it's supposed to smell like dead bodies but if you don't want it to smell like dead bodies and vomit please stop i, I always hold my breath when oh i know God. it's gonna smell it like whenever you walk into like their mazes and there's a bathroom you know it's gonna smell yeah exactly or like when they did check uh texas chainsaw massacre and you went into the meat room you know oh, it was gonna be bad it was really bad yeah i was ugh. you know i might sign that petition dude it's it's i'm telling you because then and it sucks because then i just get angry and i kind of lose sight of what's going on in the maze because i'm just so distracted and pissed off that it stinks so bad yeah. like it's and so anyway it looks as though there may be some maze construction going on at universal i digress Woo-hoo. i hope mm-hmm. there's hope there's always hope um but also you were just talking about evil dead and i also want to point out that evil dead is returning to drive-in theaters across the country uh it started on june 13th Ooh. the first announcement uh showing is at pride's corner drive-in in westbrook maine Maine is really far from us. It is. Is but, there a closer drive? But any of you that are listening that are near Westbrook, Maine, go watch. Go watch because there's schedule up and everything. Um, but be sure to follow Grindhouse Releasing on Instagram and Twitter to see announcements, updates, and times for other locations. You know, I had created a Twitter account for the sole purpose of following Anonymous. Because, oh, that's the only reason why. <laughs> yeah, because Anonymous has been leaking some good shit lately. Uh, so now I'm going to have to follow this one, too. Yes. One, one moment. Because <laughs> when it comes to the drive, you know, and I've been actually thinking about going to a drive-in. It's like, what happened to drive-ins? It was so much fun when I went when I was younger. Um, you know, my mom used to take me to the drive-in a lot. And so I'm glad they're kind of making a comeback. I mean, this is perfect. Out of necessity. Yeah, it's, you know, already social distanced. You're in your own car. You can bring your own food if you choose to. And bring your own fun. Hey, hey. Hey, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Nice little date night. (laughs) Right? And then Peanut would be there just like at church camp when the the camp counselors would get between you and and someone else that you were interested in and say, leave room for Jesus. Anytime I try to get close to Jared, Peanut's right there going, leave room for Peanut. Spacing you like at a a middle school dance. Yep. She's like, arm's length, mom and dad. Hilarious. true. Um, HBO has a new horror drama, uh, Lovecraft Country, uh, based on the 2016 novel by Matt Ruff. Um, It's going to debut this August. There's not a specific date in August, but... It is coming soon. Oh, exciting. Yeah, the series follows Atticus Freeman as he joins up with his friends, uh, Letitia and his uncle George, played by Courtney B. Vance. <gasps> Just want to say that. I and Letitia is Journey Smollett. <gasps> and I love Journey. I know. She's in... Um, some good people. She's going to be in um, the new Candyman, right? Yep. Yeah. That's what I heard. I'm excited for this. But they embark on a road trip... Um, across 1950s Jim Crow America in search for his missing father. Jordan Peele is executive producer. 
I do love me some Jordan Peele. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's doing some things. Um, so the, it, um, this begins the struggle to survive and overcome both the racist terrors of white America and the terrifying monsters that could be ripped from an H.P. Lovecraft paperback. I got to tell you, the uh, monsters that currently live in this country scare me more than any mm-hmm. of H.P. Lovecraft's monsters. But, I mean, it's a perfect time for this It's very timely. show. And I really want to read the book, actually. Um, especially, especially if it has anything to do with a little bit of H.P. Lovecraft and the monsters. And Jordan Peele. Yeah, and Jordan Peele. So definitely <laughs> so be on the look on look out for that um i'm sure it'll probably be on hbo and hbo max as we uh said last week um that's a new little streaming service that you can download i think it's 14.99 a month and they got all kinds of good horror movies on yes there right they now. keep adding them it's mm-hmm. great <laughs> uh, also netflix confirmed that they are rebooting the 90s classic <gasps> unsolved mysteries slow clap I know. <laughs> and it's from the original creators and producers from Stranger Things. Oh my god. I I uh, my my grandma was big on the unsolved mysteries and my grandma raised me. My poor mom single parent worked two jobs trying to make ends meet and so we spent a lot of time at grandma's house. Grandma loved some unsolved mysteries. I mean, it's amazing. Oh, it was so good. Have you watched any of them lately? Y- no. Watch them. Go back now as, as a like. <laughs> That's what I was like. I feel like I should. Yeah. Go back now as a mid thirties adult and watch some of them. Okay. They're like the camp factor is just the best. <laughs> it's the best. Actually. Okay. Now, now I want to do that when I get you, home. You got <laughs> But the first six episodes will be uh, debuting July 1st and they will not have a host. Just to, you know, kind of give a little, what's the word I'm looking for? They just didn't want to take what the original host did. Oh, gotcha. I just couldn't think of the word. You know, they should get Ricky Gervais to host it. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Take your agent and F off. That would just be amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ghost Adventures, your favorite show. I do love Ghost Adventures. (laughs) They are going to do Ghost Adventures Quarantine, a four-part event on the Travel Channel. And it actually started on June 11th. Mm. So we are behind. We need to catch up. I need to, I need to, <laughs> I need to watch it. And those, uh, uh, for anybody that lives in Vegas that is listening, the museum opened, um, uh, opened back up on June 12th. So, oh, Jared, we need to go take a trip to Vegas that so we can you go know, to Everybody's the going to Vegas because hotels are cheap right now. Oh my now. God. Dude, I looked up because <laughs> we, we like not to sound like a bougie bitch, but when we go, we like to stay at the Palazzo and like granted it's not like we go every weekend but we usually go once a year a year we spend money on a nice hotel room we spend money on shows and then we go make friends with the bartender at margaritaville sounds amazing it's super fun but i know none of the shows are open back up yet bars are open and i'm far too old to go to nightclubs so i don't care that they're closed (laughs) when i was 21 i was too old to go to nightclubs um but maybe we should go get a cheap room because it was like 120 bucks or something like that. I'm really down for this plan. And you, as you said, you were a boozy bitch. I'm over here sipping my tea like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we need because me. I'm also one of them. 
Well, and I don't know if it's still there, but the the Tim Burton exhibit was over at the Neon Museum. Yes, I'm not sure. Well, it was supposed to end, I think, in February. I don't know if it got extended. Yeah, I was going to say, I hope they extended it since it probably closed early considering... That's what I'm wondering. I'll have to look it up and see and then... Road trip. Yeah, so it looks like we're get, you're gonna go freak me out in this museum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but basically, he um, each episode he's gonna kind of pretty much quarantine himself in uh, his haunted museum. Of course, he is. Yep. Did we expect any different? I mean, I I, I kind of can't wait for this. So he's gonna kind of quarantine himself in different locations. Uh, like he's gonna open the. How do you say that? <laughs> The Dybbuk box? Yes. <laughs> See, okay, so I thought that this had already happened. Maybe okay. it, maybe it wasn't the Dybbuk box. Maybe it was something else. Uh, but it was him and Post Malone, because word on the street is he and Post Malone are, are good bros. And <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me. <laughs> like, you have to appreciate the irony. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I remember it was on a different, uh, a different podcast that I listened to that was talking about the, I don't know if it might not have been the, the Dybbuk box. It well, maybe he's else. opening it again. I don't know. I but he's gonna Im- go into like a deeper investigation of it. But did you see the movie The Possession? I did. Never open the Dybbuk box. Yep. Well, so hopefully he gets possessed. We'll see. God. I mean, they already filmed this, so. <laughs> I mean, it's- I'm gonna I'm gonna Google. It. Did Zach Bagans die? <laughs> right. So I'm assuming he survived, um, considering that the museum is open because he basically wanted to open the museum with the release of this uh, special so that it will bring people back to the museum. Um, He's going to investigate the demonic dolls and also the room that um, houses Dr. Kevorkian's death van. See, that would be interesting. Yeah, also the devil's rocking chair. Oh, is that the, uh, the one that he bought from the Warrens? Yep. Oh, 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 okay. So I remember, sorry, I just got really excited and it was like not About the warranted. devil's rocking chair? Yeah, that was, I'm sorry, that was totally not warranted. Uh, so this is the one I've seen so many little uh, videos and snippets because again, I spend too much time on the internet because I can't sleep. And I saw little snippets of people that were like guests that were walking by and when they went by the devil's rocking chair or even like the room above it, they would pass out and fall over and go down. I feel like that would be me. It might be. I'm really scared to go in here. Oh, it'll be fun. I don't know. That's like you said it would be fun to to go into the, the house on Niebold Street and the first room was the clown room. Oh, that was when I told you that there probably weren't going to be clowns mm-hmm. and then the very first room was the clown room. Right. <laughs> if there's clowns in here, I'm leaving. <laughs> he, can t- he can take my money. <laughs> I don't like clowns, but I especially don't like haunted clowns that have demons in them. But do you know any clowns that aren't haunted? Because I don't. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. You paused. Big time. <laughs> I just don't <laughs> want to think about it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I'm sitting here thinking about demonic clowns. Um. Anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> look out on the Travel Channel for wonderful ghost adventures and maybe more of a Zach Bagans wearing his uh his mask fucking stupid pardon my German like every time he brings out the gas mask like oh I have asthma and I'm like what the demons are gonna give you asthma I mean they could like come on they could I don't know it's it's hilarious every time he pulls out although uh I drag poor Jared into watching it sometimes and 
He's like, did they debunk it yet? That's my favorite part. Did they debunk it yet? (laughs) I just like that word. But like the episodes are just so funny because (laughs) he speaks so slowly and deliberately. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you're going, okay, keep, keep going. Keep, keep rolling. Keep speaking. Come on. We can do it. I just like the word. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Or when they go, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, bro, you're in a haunted castle. What did you think was going to happen? Right. You're going to feel something. Did I ever tell you that I wrote to, it's not the Travel Channel, but so to be on the Travel Channel, it's this uh, um, this compilation or amalgamation of various production companies that do the shows. So I actually wrote to the production company that does Ghost Adventures and said, you need some diversity. You just have a bunch of middle-aged white dudes, so you should hire me. I'm a woman. I mean, they should hire you, though. <laughs> I would love to see, like, what was that? Well, they didn't respond, so. <laughs> Womp. <laughs> you know what? You know it'd be cool if they invite us to come on the show and we can do our bo- our podcast live from some haunted place? Depends on the haunted place. Jared, you want to go record in a haunted place? He said no. Not no, really. Okay, shoot. We'll bring Peanut. Peanut will protect us. Or we could do, like, a video. No, we Pe- can. Well, Peanut's really good at spotting danger, so like to our point of everything bad happens at 3 a.m., uh, two mornings ago, she was kind enough to wake up Jared and I growling at our dark closet at 3.38 in the morning. Oh, lovely. Yeah. We couldn't see anything, and we're both going, what the hell was that? But she was sitting there growling. Peanut, are you clairvoyant? She could spot danger. She'll protect us. Oh, so Ghost cool. Adventures 1, hire us to let us record the podcast from a haunted place. 3, let us bring the dog. Yes. Ghost, trust, trust your pets. Ghost dog, uh, <laughs> dog guard. <laughs> oh, um, also, in some other news, uh, Ewan McGregor is going to vo- voice Jiminy Cricket in Guillermo del Toro's stop motion animation version of Pinocchio. I love you, and McGregor. Yeah, me too. And it's based on the Grizz Grimley's designs. I love Grizz Grimley. And it's going to be released Netflix next year. I love year. Netflix. Me too. There's just <laughs> so many things to love right now. I love lamp. Well, <laughs> and the film will be set in Italy during the 30s, a particularly fraught historical moment and a time where fascism was on the rise and Benito Mussolini was consolidating control of the country. So that's interesting. That is interesting. Let me put some history in with Pinocchio. Sounds like it's going to be a little dark. Pinocchio. Well, <laughs> d- the original Pinocchio was way dark. It's not like this romanticized disney version that currently exists it was real dark so there's you know i have no strings to hold me down no there was there were many more monsters in the original italian story because grams was italian and she actually had the the original book and yeah there were way more monsters in in the book than oh wow than walt disney's cookie cutter version of reality they're all pretty cookie cutter (laughs) that's true although i was really happy in the remake of cinderella when they actually showed the um the women in the town chopping parts off their feet because that actually did happen in the original story yep like good job disney keep it real that was actually i'm interested to see what they're gonna do with all these live action movies hopefully we'll see um also um actually there this week is the 40th anniversary of friday the 13th Happy birthday, Friday the 13th. You're 40. Congratulations. I'm almost catching up to you. We're close. Oops, I should have said that. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> shouldn't be saying my age anyway <laughs> but uh paramount is celebrating the 40th anniversary uh this year with a re-release in the form of a limited edition steelbook blu-ray and digital uh and dvd and it's hitting all the retailers actually uh tomorrow which is uh june 17th so this show will already be out so but when you do hear this go out and go get your collectible yeah man and so apparently also Earlier this week, Stephen King got on his uh, wonderful Twitter account and said, the best novel idea I ever wrote and probably never will is Jason. The first person narrative of Jason Voorhees. And his hellish I would love that. Killed over and over again at Camp Crystal Lake. What a hellish existential fate. I would love that. I, I think I, it would actually I, be good. I feel like he should already be writing this. Right? If he isn't. He said the the best novel idea I never wrote and probably never will. Stephen King, you're a quitter. Get on that shit. I know. Please do it. Not that he's listening to us, but please. But, but if you are, please. Please do it. Write that book. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing we still wanted to um, get on is just kind of highlighting... Um, uh, some uh, black and people of color creators that are out there in the horror world that you should know about. Yeah, man. Um, one of which is uh, Gothic Lamb. It's a, a black owned uh, com- uh, clothing company. Um, I actually follow them on Instagram. Mm-hmm. They've got some really cool stuff. They got great stuff. And I think I should check and see if they're back open. I know that they were taking a break for a little bit just to kind of keep up with the demand of support that they've started to receive, which is a wonderful problem to have. But uh, please patronize Gothic Lamb. They're a great company. Yes. And another great one who's on Instagram is a gentleman named Andrew Lassane. Uh His IG handle is called I Want Custom Shoes. Me all, too. Right? Same. <laughs> uh, all, one, all one word in the handle. He does custom painted horror shoes. I don't know if you've ever looked at any of these, but he's made some Jason Voorhees ones. He's Ooh. made some Pennywise ones. I mean, they're they're great. They're they're really great. So Oh, amazing. Yeah. I'm gonna have to look that one up because I always want custom shoes. I want custom shoes. Not that I, just I need. like the name of it. <laughs> yes. Not that I need more shoes. I mean, I always need more shoes. Uh, but I think I've got enough to last me for a little while. But I do want some of these. They're awesome. Oh, amazing. Well, one that I found is called uh, Foxy Cosmetics. And it's a vegan and freshly handcrafted products by Kayla Phillips. Um, she's got some really like cool names. Um, mainly I'm, I'm a huge like bath person. Mm-hmm. I love bath bombs and bath salts and all that stuff. So you I like to use bath salts, not eat them because then, right, exactly. then you'll eat someone's face. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Me but, neither. But she's got some, uh, great names. Um, just to name a few, um, she has a, uh, bath salt called, uh, Monstera. Um, also her most famous one, it's called a bath and it's like a black, it's black bath salts. And then she also has, um, some skull shaped, uh, bath bombs. It's called death born dead. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> she's got some, it's uh, one, it's called lurking gloom. Um, so she's got some kind of dark and creepy lurking stuff. gloom. <laughs> yeah. There's also one, the dead girl. <laughs> 
<laughs> then the 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 wacko Jacko and Jack Black, a uh, little pumpkin bath bombs. All these names pretty much describe my Tuesday from yeah, like I know. seven a.m. to noon. <laughs> There's one called Obituary, chopped in half. Still accurate. <laughs> Decline. Still accurate. That's me. That's me after five. <laughs> There's um also a little coffin kit. It's called Morticia. I mean, oh, she's cute. got some really cool stuff. So, and then there's one, my my favorite of the list. This one is called Karma, Bloody Karma. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> so, I mean, we're, every week we're going to try to keep, you know, mentioning some more um, companies that you can support and support Black Lives Matter movement. Do it. Well, this week's episode, we wanted to compare uh, a classic horror film, a classic universal monster, uh, and then the remake that came out in 2010. So this week, we picked The Wolfman. Ooh. I'm <laughs> Peanut's like an ass, judgingly. She's like, really, that's all you got? Yeah, she's like, that's not how you do it. Not like you can do better, Peanut. I hear you all the time. <laughs> um, so... I absolutely adore the 41 version Me too. that came out. And, you know, the 2010 version got really terrible reviews. It and did, but I didn't think it was that bad. No, it wasn't. It was. I mean, it wasn't the best. I mean, if we're going to compare it to the new Invisible Man, yeah. <laughs> then it sucked. <laughs> I, but I almost left a group today, a Facebook group, because people started talking shit about the new Invisible Man. Like, oh, shut your dirty mouths. Tell me what group that is so that I can unfollow. If I'm going to have to go back and look, but I'm like, for real though? <laughs> because they don't know what they're talking about. No, no. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think everybody that listens to this obviously knows what werewolves are, uh, but we thought we would give you just a little bit of background not the Twilight version with, oh, come on. with what's his name. The... That, that was in my notes. Was it? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, did you see my face drop? I'm like, yes, you did. You were like, you're fired. <laughs> we're disbanding the podcast. <laughs> Are you talking about Jacob? Yeah, that was his name. Right? Yes. Isn't it? Okay. It was, I promise. <laughs> I don't think I feel bad. My my sister in law loves the Twilight books, so I mean I liked them. No shade. They just weren't my thing. <laughs> you didn't want a sparkly uh, vampire. No, vampires don't glitter. Come on. I mean, come on. But glitter is amazing. Glitter is amazing. Just vampires, vampires don't glitter. They turn to dust. <laughs> Everyone knows this. Oh boy! Read an Anne Rice novel. Um, <laughs> so yeah, for those that don't know, the history of werewolves goes back all the way to AD twenty-seven. That was the earliest werewolf, wow, lycanthrope type creature to be recorded. I like that word, lycanthrope. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd rather say werewolf, but well, that was like uh, in Underworld. Oh yeah, they said lichen. They say the lichens. Like, call them werewolves. That's what they are. Yep. But also lichens, apparently. Uh, so anyway, the the first documented werewolf lycanthrope-type creature was documented in AD 27 and really gained a lot of prop- property. Oh, my God. <laughs> Popularity. 
<laughs> I can't speak today. And really started gaining uh, popularity within European folklore more in the 12th century. And moving on, it's only gotten more and more steam from the 15th century and onward. So obviously these are creatures that are cursed and are to turn into a wolf-like creature during the full moon. And this curse is passed on by a bite or sometimes a scratch. Oh. Yeah. So first off, let's talk about the 41 version, even though I totally put my notes in uh, backwards in our Google Doc. That's all right. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about the 41 version. So uh, this version had so many big names in it uh, oh, so yeah. obviously stars lon cheney jr the man of a thousand faces yes and <laughs> uh fun fact that i learned doing some research on the film he obviously played the wolfman and the mummy but he was the only universal monster to be played by the same actor really for all of the films yes huh yeah I didn't I, know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Um, but also he, I mean, if you look at his IMBD credits, he has, he did dozens and dozens and dozens yeah. of films between the thirties and the forties. Oh yeah. I mean, not only the universal horror films, but Charlie Chan and Abbott and Costello movies. Um, I mean, that guy was everywhere in, in the thirties and forties. Oh yeah. And then it also has Claude Rains. Oh, I felt like we just talked about him we did because he was also (laughs) in the invisible man oh which so i i mean yes this version that came out was good but just watching him perform in the older version i mean just amazing especially for that time oh yeah and he uh also very notably was in mr smith goes to washington uh casablanca yeah and and casablanca when he uh utters his most famous line round up the usual suspects (laughs) um and then also lawrence of arabia um it also has william warren ralph bellamy patrick knowles and bella lugosi who plays the the fortune teller and slash original werewolf that then infects mm-hmm. Lon Chaney Jr. Yep. Um, and Evelyn Inkers, who she was also known as the queen of the bees. Yep. She was in like, a ton of different films, you know, Wolfman, Ghost of Frankenstein, uh, the captive wild woman, uh, son of Dracula, the mad, go- I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. But fun fact. So she was a frequent screen partner of Lon Chaney Jr. And they were on, they were such great on-screen partners and they had so much chemistry in front of the camera. Behind the camera, they hated each other. (laughs) That's funny. Which I didn't know. You would think that they would like be married. Right? But (laughs) in fact, they hate each other. Yeah. That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. But it was, it was just interesting it was really interesting and uh something else that i found out and uh, you know i guess that this kind of rings true with so many of the the old hollywood actors and crooners like i was crushed when i found out that bing crosby abused his children (laughs) that broke my heart like no why'd you do that bing that's really sad um yeah well i found out that uh lon cheney jr was well liked by some of his co-workers and they even went so far to call him sweet um but the people that hated him really really hated him oh 
Yeah. So basically, don't get on his bad side. No. Got it. <laughs> but uh, he was really great about befriending younger actors um, and then would stand up for older ones that he felt like were being belittled by their studios, particularly when they had big contracts with studios. Um, so like William Farnham, who was a big silent film star and he had a small part in The Mummy's Curse. Uh, same thing when he was being bullied by the studio, Cheney came to his aid, which was really, oh. really cool. Well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, but sadly, he also had frequent run-ins with other directors uh, and other stage partners. Uh, so Frank Riker, uh, apparently Cheney almost strangled him on camera when they were filming The Mummy's <laughs> Ghost. Wow. <laughs> yeah, found that out. Um, and then another director, apparently Cheney broke a vase over his head. <laughs> <laughs> wow and he still got all those movies uh i mean it was the 40s <laughs> we could do a lot in the 40s i guess because <laughs> i'm was alive in the wrong era yeah <laughs> no. um but the interesting thing about this film is there's a poem that is recited in the movie and it's ended up being repeated in every subsequent film when, you know, Talbot, the main character as Cheney, uh, appears with the exception of House of Dracula and Abaddon Costello meets Frankenstein. Um, and it's quoted in the film Van Helsing, which oh, is, right. yeah, which is, you know, and the moon is full and bright, the wolf's bane potion blooms, blah, 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 blah. Uh, this movie actually was the original film to make use of that idea to make use of the idea that the werewolf transformed under a full moon oh okay which i didn't know huh yeah super interesting um and then the other great piece there's some other you know great pieces of this film that that we'll get into and talk about but the original story i felt like was really unique um, Brie, what did you think about it? Um, you know, I like just watch comparing the two, like I know they had like, you know, similarities, but I don't know. There's just something about like the older films. Like I just feel like, I don't know how to describe it. Like it just, the, I think that the chemistry of the yeah. actors like, you can just feel it mm-hmm. more, like, even when, you know, like, when we were talking about, you know, in The Invisible Man, like, his face was pretty much covered mm-hmm. the whole time, but you could see him acting through that, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I felt, like, the same way here, too, and I don't know if, like I said, it was just the era of, you know, and how they studied acting and, you know, how they wanted to portray the, you know, these characters, but I don't know. I felt like the acting was my favorite in this version than the the 2010 version. I agree, and I f- I feel like it's and if you look at the 2010 version, which we'll talk about here in a sec, the 2010 version had really big names. It had yeah. Anthony Hopkins. It had Emily Blunt, Benicio del Toro, um, Hugo Weaving. It had mm-hmm. really big names yeah. and. And all fantastic actors. Exactly. Um, They're all really good actors. Yeah, but just, I felt like there was a screen chemistry that was missing. Whereas you had Claude Rains as his, as Talbot's father in, in the story. And then you had, um, 
Cheney Jr. as Larry Talbot, the son. And I felt like they connected on a level that I didn't feel as though Benicio Del Toro and Anthony Hopkins Yeah, I didn't feel that. And maybe that's why people didn't care for the 2010 version. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why it got such bad reviews. But I also feel like, you know, that also has to deal with, um, you know, directing and, um, you know, the screenplay. Mm -hmm. I, I think that definitely has a lot of play in how, you know, the actors are gonna you know create this character on the screen yeah so i feel like you know back in the 30s you know the 30s and 40s when you know these talking pictures are coming out like you know they had to work like super duper hard to make sure it was really good because you know then if it didn't you know do good then that was like the end that they would just get shafted from everything so i i feel like you know, some, some movies today, like, you can get these big names and they think, oh, you know, they're just, because we got these names, it's going to be good. You know, whereas back then, it's, everybody was still... You had to fight for every part. Yeah, and you, you, were you had to fight in, for it. You were locked into a contract, too. It, that, too. And, and I feel like sometimes these days, you know, you have actors, you know, they make so much money, I feel like sometimes they can just get, you know, kind of lazy. Yeah, you can make $10 million for one <laughs> role, but... It, you know, a lot of the actors from old Hollywood were locked into contracts, and if you blew it, they would dismiss you. Yeah, and, and you'd be blacklisted a, almost. Absolutely. <laughs> it was a lot easier. So I just feel like they just had a little bit more on the line, and maybe, I don't know, I just feel like you could feel that, you know, in, in their acting in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, and let's talk about the, the special effects from the 41 version. And I mean, as special effects as 41 had. Yeah. Um, so a couple of interesting things there were, so there were several sequels that followed up the original Wolfman and the kind of lap dissolve progressive makeup look that, oh, yeah. that you see in a lot of the films wasn't really there until the last little bit of the film. It was very much, I think, the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes of the film that you actually see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the first transformation, you just see his feet. Right. So it's, you know, he takes off his shoes and socks and then you see the feet are, they kind of like slowly get, they grow and they become hairy and these big paws that were boots that were actually made out of rubber <laughs> and they were covered in yak hair gross i know <laughs> i don't know why that's just that's gross <laughs> just get it off of the yak in the backyard no big deal hey you guys where's that yak we need, right? that, we need that yak here yeah but you didn't <laughs> see like the the facial trans and then once you do see him when he first turns he's already in full wolf face makeup um but it's not until the last little bit of the film where you start to see the gradual transformation and then again when he dies and you gradually see him return to the Larry Talbot human form. Yeah. So there's a couple different stories about the makeup transformation and how that was accomplished. So the transformations took five to six hours to apply. Oh, and a long time. A long time to apply and an hour <laughs> to remove. Oof. So uh, Jack Pierce was the makeup artist on the set and he originally did, uh, he designed it for Harry Hull as in The Werewolf of London that came out in 35. Um, but he had argued that it made zero dis- sense within the plot. So 
instead of doing the the two different characters, they just decided to scrap that and use a version that left more of his face recognizable. And then they recycled the original design for the 41 version of the Wolfman. Oh. So it wasn't even intended for that movie. Oh. oh. Yeah. Um, but Lon Chaney has stories about how he was forced to sit motionless for hours as they shot the scenes frame by frame. Oh, uh, even, <laughs> yeah, even though there weren't that that many of them. Um, but he claimed at times that he was forced to remain sitting motionless while, and the crew even uh, broke for lunch and wouldn't even let him use the bathroom. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That and, that is terrible. And I don't know if this is true, but uh Lon Chaney claimed that the special effects men drove finishing nails into the skin on the sides of his hands oh. so that he would remain motionless for the close-ups. What? Uh-huh. That's uh, gotta be an exaggeration. I think it is too, because some of the studio logs that appeared while they were filming Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein, uh, the entire crew, including Lon Chaney, took a two-hour break during the filming of the transformation, and they filmed the rest of it later that day. Oh, well, right. Yeah, then that first one that that can't be true. <laughs> no. Um, but. The other the other uh, piece that was told is that they made a plaster mold of his head and he had to remain absolutely still while they did that so that they could actually photograph and outline the planes of his head on the grass. Then he went to makeup where they used grease paint and a rubber snout appliance and, and all these other pieces to apply all the makeup to, the, to his face. Then he would come back to set, line himself up using... Uh, the different panes of glass and then the the outline of the uh, why can't I brain? <laughs> they use the outline of this plaster this plaster mold. <laughs> Uh, and, and that's how he got back into place. Um, but they had to do that half a dozen times to, in order to do that lap dissolve transformation, which while that only took seconds on screen, that actually ended up taking hours to do all the filming for. Jeez. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it's just amazing what they came up with, you know, back in that time, obviously they had no ways of, you know, special effects, like how, what we have now. Oh, absolutely. Um, Especially like, you know, like when we go into talking about the 2010 version, mm-hmm. obviously there's, you know, <laughs> better special effects that they have available to them. Um, And even so with, you know, hopefully this new one that's coming, Hopefully not Ryan Gosling. <laughs> it is Ryan Gosling, which... I mean... But at least you know the special effects will be good. Well, so that's... Let's, so let's talk about the 2010 version. Okay. Um, Because this is actually a, a complaint of mine that I want to talk about. Oh, okay. Um, let's go it. So, <laughs> let's do it. Uh, so the 2010 remake that came out was directed by Joe Johnson, uh, who, if you're not familiar with that name, he did the original Jumanji, the one that matters, not all the remakes. <laughs> he did the oh, original. Oh, you don't like The Rock? <laughs> the Rock's just in everything. Yeah, like, it's I, true. I just... <laughs> he's making a lot of money. He is. And His he, agent he, is also making a lot of money. <laughs> and he's... I, I hear that he's a wonderfully sweet man. He's got adorable children. 
good on him for making a nice career out of himself. He doesn't need to be in every damn film on the face of the planet. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Joe Johnson did the, the 90s version of Jumanji. And then he also did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids from 80. Gerbil, what year did that come out? 86? Yes. 89? 86? I think it was 86. Late 80s. Late 80s. <laughs> and uh, I'm still not over Auntie dying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like... <laughs> I could have really done without Auntie dying. And every time we watch that movie, I always fast forward. <laughs> I mean, but also let's remember that we kill ants with spray every day. I know there's, there's poison in my pantry right now trying to kill the ones that have invaded. But, <laughs> but you're sad that the Auntie died. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Weren't you? I mean. You don't have a heart. You hesitated. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> there are. I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older. Uh, there are some days when certain things hit me hard. So like, oh, I, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I watched it recently when Auntie's died. I started crying. Um, same thing like in Shallow Hal when he uh, meets the little girl Cadence from the burn ward and he no longer sees people's inner selves. He sees their external selves. And oh, there's a the yep. little girl with all the burns. Like I leave the room because I was a mess. So oh, there are certain things that just wreck me these days. <laughs> anyway, I digress. As we mentioned, it has it stars Benicio del Toro as uh, as Lawrence Talbot, the Wolfman, Anthony Hopkins's father, uh, Emily Blunt who plays Gwen, and then Hugo Weaving who plays the Inspector. Um, and it's the it's almost frame, and this is my complaint. It is almost frame for frame the exact story. Yeah, with the exception of they add in the pieces of having him committed. Um, and then you find out that Anthony Hopkins kills their killed his mother, and so mm-hmm. like so there were a couple of differences, but if you take those out, it's essentially the exact same. same yeah, yeah, it's same exact movie. Yeah, it's it's frame for frame the same story. And what I loved so much about the new Invisible Man is that they took the original story and modernized it for twenty twenty. Right. Yeah, well, that's I, why I'm saying I'm hoping now that we know that there's a another one coming out, mm-hmm. I hope that they take the opportunity to maybe just do a little something else with the story. I do too. And I feel as though there's a little point and, you know, fight me if you feel like this is wrong. I feel like there is very little point in remaking a film. If you are going to leave it in its exact original state. I agree because I already saw that movie and I really loved it. Right. Please don't try to redo it. Um, I think that's probably why it did so bad. Yeah, and and this poor film was just plagued with problems from the start. Yeah. And it was plagued it was over budget. It was delayed. They had to go back and refilm scenes. Even the score had a problem. So Danny Elfman actually was tasked to write the original score for the Wolfman because Danny Elfman is one of my very few living heroes that's left. And he's a a brilliant musician and composer. Um, So he was actually originally hired to write the score, uh, but it was rejected by the studio after they cut the film down half an hour in length. And then at that point, the music that he wrote became too quote unquote wall to wall and they thought that it was too repetitive um so 
And unfortunately, Danny Elfman couldn't come back and rescore the film because he was already contractually obligated to work on Alice in Wonderland at the time. Uh, They decided that rather than expand the ideas with a new composer, which is actually what they did, they would attempt to completely redo it and rescore it all together, which included extensive reshooting of scenes. Oh, my gosh. Which, obviously, lots of time and money. Yeah. So the whole idea was to kind of quicken the pace of the film and create a similar tone to the under underworld film series that came out, you know, in the 2000s and such. That's right. Um, And then effectively turn a slow paced film into a much faster paced story. Um, So they hired another composer named Composer. (laughs) (laughs) Composer. I'm glad I'm the only one that can't talk I today don't, i don't know what's happening i can never talk i don't know what's happening to me but i thought water would help and every time dab, dab, i dab. keep drinking it just gets worse <laughs> he thrusts his fists against the post and still insists he sees the ghosts well, that okay was good. i'm back uh so they hired another composer named paul haslinger uh, who wrote this kind of electronic and contemporary version of the score. Um, and then obviously the studio heard that and realized this is completely not going to work for this, you know, 19th century Gothic film. Um, so they ended up using Danny Elfman's original score in the final film. Um, although there were several other composers that were brought in to kind of cut down parts of it and shape it around. Um, but again, they spent a lot of time and money reshooting scenes to try to make the score fit. Uh, and then that ended up not, not happening. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, it was, it, as I mentioned, it was completely plagued by delays between, well, no you know. No wonder it did so bad. <laughs> yeah, in between reshooting and everything else. It was originally supposed to come out in 2008. And then it was pushed back to 2009, and then it eventually released in 2010. Wow. So, as, and as we mentioned, you know, there's a couple of differences in the story. Although, I do have to say, the cinematography on this film was spectacular. Yes, I, I can gorgeous. agree with you on that. There are some real, like, beautiful shots, and you can tell they really um, took their time to scout those out. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. So, if there's anything good... it was definitely that yeah and you know i didn't that made it more enjoyable for me um it and again going back to uh the chemistry of the actors so benicio del toro was actually really excited to play the wolfman he really wanted this role um he couldn't have been happier to do it but you had all these really big names and they just did not gel well together on screen for yeah. me like i i didn't really like um his chemistry with emily blunt no and i love her me too I've, she's like i said there's just a lot of good actors just not good together i agree or maybe they just didn't work enough together maybe they just it's like they just got on the set and just you know just started doing their thing without maybe practicing with each other or, you know, going through, you know, those, um, you know, script readings and things like that. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, I feel like, and also I feel like the director should have, you know, maybe try to spark, you know, 
that chemistry, like work on that a little bit. Yeah. And at least be able to identify when something's not working. But it was almost as if he just went, great, good enough. Worked for auntie. Like, move on. Next next scene. But (laughs) I mean, that was just my, yeah, my thought. I, I did like how they, well, no, I, I take that back. I kind of didn't understand the need to add in some of the ancillary parts. So, Yes, I I get, you know, trying to add in the piece about Anthony Hopkins killing the mom. And they, they made it more about, they made it more this rivalry between, you know, Lawrence and his father, as mm-hmm. opposed to circling in on and really honing in on the curse of of becoming a werewolf. Right. Um, whereas the 41 version, that was really the focal point of the plot they kind of added in these little side pieces about, you know, this animosity with his father and his father's a werewolf. And, you know, he got turned on some trip to Nepal and, um, you know, killed, killed the mom. And then the son was committed and then he had him recommitted after mm-hmm. he became a werewolf. And, and then there's this whole like unnecessary, really gory scene where he's ripping apart all the, Oh yeah. All the doctors and stuff. I'm like, <laughs> well-placed gore and horror is is good but i it for me it felt a little out of place um and it just was very odd that they focused on that conflict instead of just the original story um but here's my other complaint let's talk about the makeup and the special effects oh i was waiting for you to get to that the legendary (laughs) rick baker Mm -hmm. did the makeup yeah um and i i don't if you've never seen any of rick baker's work you're missing out big time yeah because um, he's phenomenal not just as a makeup artist but also as just a, a fine artist um with a lot of his paintings and and the sculpture that he creates he's absolutely brilliant and he actually won an oscar f- at the 83rd academy awards for his makeup on this film and it was well deserved yes um, agreed Although he had said that uh, transforming Benicio del Toro into the Wolfman was not difficult because he was a quote unquote hairy man. I mean, he's not wrong. No. <laughs> but I mean, I guess I just never paid attention to. I how... think that's why people thought that, like, oh yeah, Benicio del Toro. Yes, he's the Wolfman. Yes, which makes total sense. Um, and I guess I just never really paid attention to how hairy he was before. Um, but I'm going to read the direct quote from Rick Baker. He said, going from Benicio to Benicio as the Wolfman isn't really an extreme difference. Like when I did an American Werewolf in London, we went from this naked man to four-legged hound from hell, and we had a lot of room to go from the transformation and do a lot of really extreme things. Here we have Benicio del Toro, who's basically the Wolfman already, to Benicio del Toro with more hair and bigger teeth. <laughs> But I mean, Rick Baker is a genius and I feel like I'm glad he, you know, pursued to get on this film Mm -hmm. Um, because I feel like without him, it, I think it would have dropped even more. I agree. I Um, agree. And it was the, the links that they went to, to, for the designs was just out of this world. They did thousands of concept art renderings to try to get this look right yeah um and then when they had another artist sign on they actually used the second design that rick baker did and that was the final look that ended up in the movie um it took them three hours to apply it as opposed to five or six 
improvement. Um, and it took about the same thing, took about an hour to move, remove, remove. Uh, and then they used different pieces of latex prosthetics and all this loose hair that was applied every single day. They created all these different dentures and wigs um, in the event that some were damaged and they needed a backup. Um, and the sad piece is that a lot of the transformation was CGI. And oh, yeah. this was the complaint that I had. You have a makeup artist and an, an artist who's as brilliant as Rick Baker, mm -hmm. you do him such a disservice to use computer generated effects yep. when he did such a brilliant job. It's the same Agreed. thing. It should have been that slow frame by frame with the makeup being applied. That is how they should have done the transformation. Yeah. But the scene when he's turning for the first time and he's going up the stairs and you see like the foot come out and it's all computer. Yeah. And it didn't need to be. Yeah, it definitely um, lost me there a little bit. Well, and it's just like in in recent um, films coming out, like I went to go see Cats. Ugh. Why? Why do you not love yourself, Brie? <laughs> I'm having issues with that right now. <laughs> But, you know, I wanted to see it because it was just like one of those. So you could hear Jay Hudson sing Memory. Yes, which, by the way, killed it. <laughs> but it kind of like going along with, you know, this film, like that whole movie was CGI. Like even their their fur, you know, and their and their outfits mm -hmm. it, it, like you have brilliant brilliant makeup artists and costume designers and you're telling me you couldn't put real fur on these people like well not real fur but you couldn't create the costume i've got some real great synthetic fur that <laughs> i have on funky sweaters you know, and stuff i get like certain things like for for this one like you know i can see like maybe putting a little cgi with the movement of the the fur agreed or like, you know, a tail, mm -hmm. like things that you obviously you need a little bit, you know, more action with. But like to do like the whole thing like that, it it just lo it, it just loses you. And so I, I did a little bit of homework on how they did the transformations of. So they basically just had Benicio del Toro film all of his scenes turning with nothing on. And then they decided in post-production what they wanted the transformation to look like because oh they knew they wanted to rely heavily on CGI. And my issue is that it just looked so fake, so over-the-top yeah, fake really did. that it really detracted from the movie for me. Yeah, again, probably why it got not such good reviews. No, so this poor... This poor movie, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it holds uh, an average of 34%, Oof. which in contrast with the original Wolfman, which I had in my notes, holds a 90. <laughs> it took me a second to find. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you look at the shoe, and, and I can see why. Mm -hmm. Um and the president of the then president of Universal Studios uh, said at the time of the film's release that it was crappy and he considered it to be one of the worst movies they ever made. Woo. Yeah, which, like, truthfully, 
I've seen way worse, way worse movies. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of feel like The Mummy was worse. Which one? Oh, you know which one I'm talking oh, about. The, oh, the Tom Cruise one. I'm like, <laughs> yes. I looked over at you and went, leave my boo Brendan Fraser alone. Oh, I love Brendan <laughs> Fraser. I would never talk about him that way. Oh, that one was great. That one was so much fun. Uh, but yeah, the Tom Cruise one was far worse. I mean, just don't put Tom Cruise in anything ever. He's such a weirdo. <laughs> um, but I mean, at least like the CGI and stuff was pretty good in there. <laughs> Yeah, C- I'll give it that. The CGI was much better in that one. Um, but you know, I didn't I didn't hate this film. No, I, I, that's what I, said. I didn't I didn't hate it either. I thought it was still good, but I agree with you saying that, you know, they should have just added a little more into the story. Like I feel like just, you know, copying it from the nineteen forty one version, like I don't know. It just kind of lost it for me. I agree. And uh, Cinema Score, another film rating site, gives it a C plus on a scale from A plus to F. I feel like that's fair. Yeah, I give it. It's worth a watch. It is mm-hmm. definitely worth a watch. It's fun. Um, I have a cat that really loves monster movies. Predator is his favorite. I'm not even joking. He will. Felix will sit and he will sit on me and watch Predator. He does not go to sleep. He does not look away. He loves Predator. That's, he's the perfect cat. He really is. He's this perfect <laughs> little angel baby. Uh, he loves Predator. He loves Ghostbusters. But he also loved the 2010 Wolfman. Oh, when I good. when I put it on to rewatch it, uh, he just sat on my lap and went. Maybe because he thought he was looking in the mirror. He also happens to look like a werewolf. I'm just saying. So that's probably why he's like, "Look, relatives." He's he's a werewolf cat. <laughs> so he's probably like, "Hey, like you know, why are my people on TV right now?" <laughs> <laughs> like I know that guy. Saw him at the family reunion. Yes. <laughs> well, and I mean, like, and also here's hope to, you know, the new Wolfman that they're trying to create for this, you know, new Universal Dark Universe. I really hope that they, it could just have the same effect as Invisible Man. I do too. I mean, I know that's going to be tough, but I really feel like you get the right people, the right director, the right writers, like, I, and, you know, you push the actors you know, to, to give you that award, you know, winning performance, you know, I, I feel like they can, they can make something good of it, but I would, I hope that it kind of, like I said, like, you know, with Invisible Man just kind of puts a little bit of a modern take to it. I, I hope they do that with it. I do too. I hope that they don't do the same kind of tired story. I hope that they, if you're going to remake a film, modernize it for the time don't just remake it for the sake of retelling the story because i mean the legend of werewolves and and lycanthropes is (laughs) is so old that there's only so much you can do it's been done so many it's been done so many times there were so many sequels so many remakes so many underworld movies (laughs) so many oh my god like we didn't even get into the underworld movies there's 900 of them (laughs) um and lest we forget the the teenage heartthrob tiger beat vampires and werewolves (laughs) and twilight um well even like uh werewolves in true blood yeah but true blood was fabulous i mean yes i love true blood um so i hope that they they take the story and they modernize it they don't just you know frame for frame copy the original story and i also hope that they don't add in these weird ancillary bits to the story that just kind of don't really go anywhere yeah and 
I don't know. And I definitely think that's what, you know, like we mentioned in this film, I feel like, you know, they added stuff in and it just kind of didn't belong. So <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, yes, he hates his father. Guess what? Our parents all screw us up in mm-hmm. some way, shape, or form. Most of them don't do it on purpose. They do the best they can with what they got at the time. Yeah. So, like, yes, everybody has problems with their parents. I mean, but it's fine that they added that in, but if you're just going to put it in there as just like a tiny little tidbit... It's going to want us wanting more to that mm-hmm. side of the story. And they didn't give that. Like, no. they didn't go too much more in depth. But I feel like also, if they did, it would be a much longer movie. I'm okay with this. But, but I mean, I'm also fine. But other people are, you know, like I said, they're not going to enjoy hey, that. Just give me, a ba- <laughs> give me a Gone with the Wind intermission for a bathroom break and I'm good to go. <laughs> so please, Universal, make the new Wolfman good. Good luck. In the, in the immortal words of Mama Roo, good luck and don't F it up. Please don't. Please don't F it up. We want to keep this good, dark universe of Universal Monsters going. Absolutely. You have this wonderful momentum with Invisible Man. Let's keep it going, please. Mm-hmm. Yep, let's. So, in summary, watch the original. Yes. Watch the remake. But also... Don't miss out on some of the sequels like Frankenstein meets the Wolfman and Ab- Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I love like, the Abbott and Costello ones. I do too. <laughs> They're so fun. If you haven't watched any Abbott and Costello movies, you are missing out. Do it. Because they're all wonderful. Do it. Anything from, like I said, from that time, it's all wonderful. And you should be, a wa- you should be watching originals anyway. Because yes. they're always better than the the remakes that are, you know, coming out. So please make sure you're being a purist and watch the original movies. Absolutely. Well, that concludes our show for today. Yay! Thanks for listening. Uh, rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. If there's a topic that you would like us to cover, you can email us at thesquadghouls at gmail.com. Yes, please. Please do. We like suggestions and questions and comments and concerns, all that. Just be nice. Please. <laughs> we have very fragile egos. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, follow us on Instagram our handle is the squad ghouls Uh, and then we also have a squad ghouls Facebook page so you can uh, leave us little tidbits there like us although we had some weird person send us an Instagram thing about vaccines that are being used to like (laughs) track humans and stuff so if you're that person please don't message us again (laughs) but also thank you for the information (laughs) I filed it in the round file (laughs) but yes please uh, like our Facebook leave us Mm you know comments and rate us also you can rate us on facebook not just on your podcast platforms so make sure you're rating us there as well if you have time yep creep it real and we'll scare you later bye bye